Mastermind Agent is proud to present success calls. Top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com. Hi, I'm Mike Cerrone with Mastermind Agent. This month's top agent is Mitch Ribak with Tropical Realty of Suntree in Melbourne, Florida. Last year, he closed 301 transactions with a total sales volume of $43 million. His average sales price was $142,000, of which 81% were buyers and 19% were sellers. He operates a team with 21 members, 14 agents, two lead conversion agents, one office manager, one marketing coordinator, one stats administrator, one bookkeeper, and one team leader. Mitch Ribak is the team leader of the Tropical Realty of Sun Tree team. He has been an agent for 11 years. He works the Brevard County market. In his best year, 2010, Mitch sold 329 homes worth $47 million. In this call, Mitch talks about why he based his practice on buyer sales, how he generates 75% of his business from cheap internet leads, internet metrics like cost per click, cost per lead, and cost per sale, how he can turn $200 into a closed transaction over and over again, how to design a successful Google ad, an unknown internet lead source that costs half as much as Google AdWords and generates 33% more leads. Which landing page is better, open search or forced registration? What was his biggest marketing mistake? How to build and manage a huge database of leads? Exactly what's inside his high conversion follow-up system? What did he do to sell 36 homes in his first year? Why he built his team based on mediocrity? How to use lead conversion agents to convert more leads and make more sales? Team structure and pay, net profit percentage, and more. First, a quick word from our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television. Need more referrals? Get a free script and simple three-part plan used by a top agent to receive and close 74 referral transactions in one year. Just go to freereferralscript.com. That's freereferralscript.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the call, Mitch. Hey, thanks for having me today. Mitch, before we talk about what you're doing now, let's go back for a minute and talk about what you did before you got into real estate. I've always been an entrepreneur, so I've owned a lot of companies over the past years. Uh, anything from paintball business, which was my most fun, to our restaurant, which was my most worst. In 1995, I was probably the first online dating service. I had a regular dating service at the time. I thought it would be kind of cool if you could do it from home. Of course, you couldn't do it from home at that time. The technology wasn't there. So as soon as we found the technology, which took a while, we built the first online dating service, and that turned into a private label product for radio groups and got me known as Mr. Internet in the radio industry, which was really fun, uh, until 2000 when the market crashed and we ended up losing everything, which is part of life when you're in business for yourself. 
And everybody said, Mitch, you'd be really good at real estate. And I'm like, eh, I don't know. I don't know. It's not my thing. And and then, of course, somebody talked me into it, and, and here I am today. So basically, most of my Internet skills came from running a pretty large Internet company through the 90s. How did you get into real estate? It sounds like your friends kind of pushed you that way. Well, I'd been offered a lot of jobs at the time when the uh, Internet market crashed, uh, running Internet programs for some of the major radio stations in the country, radio groups in the country. And, but they meant traveling every Sunday through Friday, and I really wasn't into doing that. I'd just been finished doing that for five years. Uh, so, yeah, my buddy Joe's a, a real estate developer up in Massachusetts, and he's like, you know, you'd be really good at it. you got the gift of gab, and that's all it takes. And, and he said, I'll, I'll help you out. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll buy a couple properties together, a couple investment properties, and get rolling. And So finally, it took me about six months after I took my class before I I pulled the trigger and actually started working in real estate. Did you start working up in Massachusetts, or did you work down in Florida? No, I started here. I moved to Florida in 1999. We had our company under contract to sell, and part of the contract was I had to lower the expenses. So I had been doing a radio show, Ask Mitch the Date Doctor, a lot of fun, out of uh, Universal Studios in Orlando. And so I was you know, pretty familiar with the Orlando area, and then a friend of mine, who happens to be my wife now, which is funny how that happened, uh, lived over in the coast here. And I called her one day and said, what's the office space like over here? And she said, $12 a foot on the ocean when she looked it up for me. I'm like, are you kidding me? And I came over and I uh, was looking at the beach from my office space to be and uh, called my partners and said, we're moving to Florida. Th- 30 days later, I was in Florida. When you got into real estate, did you have a fast start or a slow start? I was big pretty much the day I started. It was, well, it was an interesting start because I started my real estate career September 10th, 2001. Uh, so the next day, of course, everything stopped for a little while. And, I, you know, I was just, to me, this is the easiest thing I've ever done in my life. I've built some really big companies and a lot of work. And being a realtor was, it was actually, it was, to me, actually, it was like a part-time job. I was only working like 50, 60 hours. I thought it was part-time. But basically, I sold 36 homes my first 12 months, and I had my. So I started in September and January. I had nine closings, so it was pretty pretty quick. I mean, I started I started off really quick because it's all systems. You build good systems, you can do anything. It doesn't really matter how long you've been doing something. How many homes did you sell last year? Last year, my team did 301 homes. And that was actually with uh, 14 agents. We had more agents this year, but there was 14 agents last year. And then, of course, my admin stuff. And you've been plugging along at about that 300 closings a year level for a few years now. Is that correct? Yes, we did. Um, let see. Last year, we did 301. The year before that, 329. The year before that, I think it was 311. So, yeah, right around there. And we've been doing it with about 14 agents. We're actually in the middle of expanding right now and adding another 15 agents to take it to the next level as far as transactions go. And then we've implemented a few new systems to increase our our lead conversion uh, on our internet leads. So we're pretty excited about getting that in 2013 being a really good year. You've brought up an interesting point. The traditional model for growing a successful real estate practice is to focus on sellers and leverage listings since the typical buyer transaction takes two to three times as long as a typical seller transaction. But you've been successful by building your business by focusing on buyers it appears to me that about 80% of your closings each year have been on the buyer side. Well, first of all, how did you come to just focusing on buyers, and how have you been making that work at such a, a large level, or, or how were you able to scale that up? It really started in 
January of 06. We opened our brokerage in, in uh, March of 05. And January of 06, you know, the market was really starting to tank here really bad. Uh, we had about 100 listings at the time and not one had sold for probably four to six months. And I just made a conscious business decision. I'm a businessman way before I'm in real estate. And I said, well, if listings aren't selling, I want to master buyers. And if we master buyers, we don't have to really care if we have listings or not because we'll have all the buyers. And that's pretty much what happened. We, uh, While everybody else was falling down, we were gaining 20% uh, every year as far as growth. Uh, which is pretty exciting, and basically it was just a business decision not to take listings until about 2010. We started taking listings again, and really didn't start doing them strongly till this year. Now it, it'll be another you know part of our focus. We're trying to figure out a good online program for generating listings. Really, really difficult. Uh, buyers are simple, but listings online is a whole new whole new animal that we're working on right now. So you've been focusing on these buyers for about five years, maybe six. You started out more like a traditional agent. You were getting a whole bunch of listings. You were up, got up to 100 listings, but that market wasn't working out because the market had tanked. You started to move over into buyers and took your focus off of listings. Is that correct? That's exactly it. It, did, it just didn't make sense to me being, again, being a business person. Why would I want to carry a bunch of listings that aren't selling? And then the other factor is, you know, the owners were calling the agents and yelling at them, of course, right? And who do they call when the agents don't answer the phone? They call me and yell at me. And I have a really, really simple motto in life. If it ain't fun, I ain't doing it. And it wasn't fun getting all those phone calls and people yelling at me all the time because my agents wouldn't answer the phone. So it was just a a conscious business decision. And now it sounds like you're moving back towards adding or adding on listings or bringing sellers back into the mix since that's what's starting to occur. Those those properties are starting to sell again. Yep, exactly. The market seemed to change. Actually, it kind of changed on a dime. Back in June, uh, it was, I mean, when I said a dime, it changed that quickly, went from being in a buyer's market to a seller's market in a matter of weeks. Uh, I wasn't planning on doing the listing stuff till the end of the year, but we've been testing several programs now to um, to do better on our listings. We do them through, as you mentioned at the beginning, foreclosures, um, but we're also encouraging our agents to go from uh, 75% of their business from internet leads to more like 50% and the rest on those on listings. So we're getting there. You've mentioned this business a couple times. I I want to get a big picture model in our head. Do you own this brokerage? Yes. Okay. The people that are working in the brokerage, are they only working on the team or are they also independent agents? They're all independent contractors. Basically, we've run our brokerage a lot different than most brokers. Uh, I don't hire agents just to hire agents. Uh, You know, the typical real estate model is recruit and hopefully, you know, you get 20% making you money. Because of our programs, we're very, very financially and, and, and emotionally involved with our agents as far as helping them become successful. We don't go after top agents anymore. We go after agents that have really good work ethic and just don't have the right either support or technology behind them to make them successful. And this is going to sound horrible, so don't take it this way, but I, I, I base the business model on mediocrity and I base that off of a book called Good to Great, if you're familiar with Jim Collins. It's one of my favorite books, and he says, good is the evil of great. And it's such a great line because most people are happy just being good. And I have a lot of really good agents. I only have a couple of great agents. So it's interesting. It's an interesting philosophy for building a brokerage or a team. Uh, it's just an understanding of realism. And you'd rather have 20 to 30 agents doing 18 to 24 sales a year than have 100 agents with 20 agents doing that same number. Does that make sense? It does. 
Well, before I get too far in, Mitch, why don't you tell us where are you at? You're in Melbourne, Florida. Where is that located? Yeah, we are 45 minutes east of Orlando. We're basically at the Space Center. Uh, my entire house shakes when the rockets go off. It's very cool. You know, yeah, it's it's a beautiful, it's a great area here. So we're about 45 minutes to Orlando. We are about two and a half hours to Fort Lauderdale, about two and a half hours to Jacksonville, uh, two and a half hours to Tampa. It's a really great location as far as access to the entire state. Describe your current real estate market. It's interesting. We're low on inventory, but I think that's something I'm hearing as a common thread around the country when I when I talk to people around the country. Our inventory went from, I think in 2011, we had uh, 8,500 listings in September, and now we're down to about 1,900. We've really lost a lot of our inventory. Uh, a lot of those are homes that expired or went through foreclosure and things like that. You know, we, we lost 60% values here. Uh, you know, one of the one of the worst in the country, obviously. Uh, my house particularly went from six and a quarter down to two and a quarter at one point. Uh, so it's 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 been it's a tough market. The uh, if we had more inventory, we'd probably be selling twice as many homes because we have so many buyers right now looking, and just not enough inventory. Prices are on the county average about one hundred and seventeen thousand dollars countywide, and we average about one hundred fifty four thousand for the brokerage. We try to be a little bit higher, higher end on that, which is part of where, you know part of our lead conversion process, of course. Yeah, that's a pretty dramatic fall in values, and and so that explains why you moved away from the traditional listings. That everybody was underwater. Yep, exactly, and, and we're still in the same problem. I mean, most people here, if you bought your house 2002 or later, you're you're underwater. I mean, if you bought it traditionally with a you know 20 percent down or 10 percent down, whatever. If you were to look out at your market right now, what percentage of the sales are retail, traditional sales versus REO and short sale? Yeah, surprisingly, it's we've got about probably about six hundred, so probably about thirty percent are REO short sale, and the, you know, sixty percent, seventy percent are um, regular resale now, which is better. We were at about fifty fifty for a while there, so it's getting better. Just a curiosity, if you were to try to identify what occurred there and during the summer to turn your market around, could you put your finger on it? Did anything happen? Being this area, it's a tough area because you have the media constantly telling the public that you know Florida is free. You can buy a house on the ocean for $10,000 now. And, and I think people realized, and it just happened in the middle of the summer. And, and by the way, we start school in August, so it might be the reason why it started you know, in, in June and July. Just, I think people realize, you know, interest rates are three and a half percent. Prices are the lowest they've been since 1999. Uh, if we don't buy now, we're going to miss the boat. I just think that's kind of what's happened right now. And pretty much right now, all of our listings that are priced correctly are gone within a couple of weeks. So the days on the market is now under 30. Is that correct? For things that are priced correctly, I think countywide still around 75 or so is, is what I'm, I'm reading. But um, you know, it all depends on how you price your property. You still have to, you know, on the average that out, there's still a lot of properties that are overpriced. What is the population in your area there? We are at 500,000 people. Is that the city or the county? That's the entire county. So it's a good-sized market. Yeah, we handle the whole county, so. Yeah, we actually, it's kind of interesting. We know we have more realtors than we do homes for sale on the market right now. We have 3,000 realtors and we have 1,900 single-family homes. But, you know, interesting numbers, and I don't, this has nothing to do with the phone call, but it's interesting because I'm sure it's pretty much the same everywhere. I'm a stats guy, so I did some stats on realtors at the end of last year. And out of 3,000 realtors, only 107 did more than $4 million in business. 
and only 500 did more than a million dollars in business. So think about that. 500 out of 3,000, I don't know what that percentage is, but not a lot, 20% maybe, were doing enough to even live, to even eat. Right, so there's a lot of part-time agents. Yeah, or part-time or just really haven't got it. I think, I think again, the biggest mistake for most agents, and I said, I'm, I'm interviewing right now agent suits. I've been doing it every day, all day for the past week. Most of them, the biggest thing I see from them is that they don't have the right systems in place, or they don't have any systems, or they don't have any training. So they, they get into this business, and they're like, how do I make money? And then the referral business is pretty much gone. Anybody who lived on referrals in the past, that's changed dramatically because now instead of me saying to somebody, hey, do you know somebody in Melbourne, Florida? They're just going online and look at, can look at listings. So the whole, the whole dynamic of real estate is changing dramatically. It's pretty interesting. Do you have a niche or a specialization in your market? Not really. We are pretty much, we'll work with any, anybody that will work with us. <laughs> you know, I mentioned before, I mean, most of our stuff comes from the internet. Uh, so we get the whole gambit. We get, you know, our million dollar homes and we get our, you know, 100,000 homes. So we don't, we don't really niche. I got a couple of agents that are strictly beachside. We have a, a beachside office, so I probably have about half a dozen agents over there that strictly do the beachside. But other than that, we pretty much will handle everything residential. We're going to get into these internet leads and them coming in, but in the big picture, if you were to look at them, are you seeing a large grouping of a certain kind of buyer that is coming in through your internet advertising? It's an interesting mix. You'll get your regular buyers, um, you know, buyers meeting that are realistic in pricing and stuff like that. We'll have our buyers that come in that think they're going to buy the million dollar home for fifty grand, but no, it's it's a huge a huge amount. I mean, we get commercial leads from it, we get vacant land leads from it, so it's really pretty much all over the place. Okay, so it's not all first time home buyers. It's it's a whole group of people. It's all over the place. Are you working mainly with buyers from your market, or are you also working with a lot of relocation? Yeah, yeah, eighty eighty percent of our buyers come from out of state. Do they come there for a permanent residence or for a vacation home? Most of them are permanent residents. Most. You know, we sell a decent amount of vacation homes, too, but most people are relocating here. Uh, this is a great area to, to retire. It's not very crowded like, you know, some of the area, other areas of Florida. We, like I said, we get a little bit of everybody, but, you know, I, I would say majority of it's relocations. Yeah, so you kind of hit on what I was wondering is if you had a large employer there that was drawing a lot of people in or if it was more of the retirement aspect. It sounds like it's more retirement. Well, it's both. we have some pretty large companies. We have NASA. I mean, that was a pretty good employer. Uh, they're, they're not small jobs, but they're still pretty good there. Uh, we've got some pretty nice companies moving in. SpaceX, which you probably seen on TV, is, coming, is, is in here now. A lot of the old shuttle players are on that now. Uh, we have Harris Corporation. Uh, we've got a lot of companies moving to the area. Uh, they're offering some really good incentives. Port Canaveral, which I think is the second largest port in the country, is being expanded right now, and that's adding 3,600 jobs. So there's there's a lot of stuff going on here. Because it's so inexpensive to run a business here, mainly just from logistics and, and location and stuff like that with the port here, Orlando, literally from my house to the airport's 40 minutes. You know, it's a, it's a good location. So a lot of businesses are relocating here, which is hopefully going to improve our job market more. Let's now start talking about how you're bringing business in to your organization. A big part of what you've been doing is the Internet. You 75% of your business last year came from the Internet. And so the open-ended question is, what are you doing there in the Internet to bring so much business in? Well, I got videos of myself dancing. That's really, <laughs> yeah. that's really done well for me. <laughs> sure it has. <laughs> yeah. yeah, if you saw what I looked like, you'd be laughing even harder. Um, 
those short little bald older guys. So I don't think anyone looks at me dancing. Um, actually, it's 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 pretty interesting. I mean, internet is is such an easy way to generate business. We do the majority of our business we do is from um, uh, pay per click marketing, and whether it be Google or Home Gain. Uh, if you're familiar with Home Gain, but that's pretty much what we do. We have them coming to specific landing pages within our site based on what they're searching, and that allows us to capture a high quantity of leads. I think right now we capture between 12 and 15% of the people that visit our site become leads. So that's pretty, it's pretty, pretty sizable. That's pretty strong. Yep. It's about one in eight. Yeah, yeah, right around there, yeah. Okay. And then a lot of people, you know, and I like to explain this to people when they're thinking about Internet stuff, and we make everybody register. We have forced, what's called forced registration, uh, which a lot of agents don't do that. And the, the reason why they don't do that is they don't want to offend the person coming to their site. And I always kind of chuckle at that. I'm like, okay, so you're in business to generate business and capture leads when you do all your marketing, but you don't want to actually capture the lead because you feel like you're going to offend somebody. It doesn't quite make sense to me from a business standpoint. If you're in business, and I don't care what type of business you have, the job is to generate leads, right? And then convert those leads to sales. We actually did a study, a couple of, of other internet guys did this with me, we put two sites side by side that were exactly the same, with the same type of marketing, and ran them for a year. And the sales difference was from the one that we forced registration, that we made people register, to the one that wasn't was 10 to 1. Kind of proved that point pretty quickly. Well, it took a year of testing, but uh, a year of doing it. But after a year, there was a 10 to 1 ratio in sales. Pretty amazing. So my my belief is if you have if you say you capture 15%, which is pretty high, say you capture 15%, the the mindset is well, what about those other 85 people? I'm like, what about them? And I, I care about the 15 I capture. I don't care about those other 85 people. And the other 85% weren't signing up when you didn't ask for registration either, correct? Exactly. That's my point. Yep. <laughs> exactly. So the foresight in your test earned 10 times as much. That's amazing. Yep. That's amazing. And those are real. And what we did is we had, I think we made it out of a, a group in Seattle that we work with as part of my education stuff. We had one guy who was totally believing everything I teach, and, there, and the other guy totally didn't buy any of it. He's like, nope, that's not how you do real estate, because, you know, you've heard that before. This is how you do real estate, this way. The old blinders. Uh, para, what do they call it? Paradigm paralysis. I love that. So we got them both to try to do this test for the year. And as soon as the year was over, we had a, a phone meeting with the group, and uh, the guy was completely sold. He was kind of embarrassed that he had thought the way he did for as long as he did. Well, it was costing him money. Yeah, well, he lost, he lost 90% of the sales he could have had. Think about that. <laughs> and the dollars that he was spending on the advertising. Yep, exactly. Try to describe for us what you mean by this forced registration. Walk us through it. Somebody comes to the site for X, and you can tell us what that is. And then what do they see and what happens? Why are they being required to register? Kind of walk us through that. Sure. It's pretty simple. We don't send anybody to our homepage. Everybody ends up on a landing page. So all of our marketing ends up on a specific landing page, city-specific. So if they search Cocoa Beach, for instance, they're going to end up on a Cocoa Beach landing page. And every one of our landing pages is an IDX landing page. So we take an IDX search, and we, we make that IDX search into a landing page. They can do their search for the property. Before they can hit the search button, they have to put their name, email, and phone number in. And that's how we capture the names. And we also know at that point what they've searched. So it allows us to take it to the next level with our lead conversion processes. 
I'm trying to picture that in my head. They come into the site. What do they see when they land? Are they seeing properties or are they just seeing a screen that says, if you want to search? Just a search page. Okay. So they come in, they see a form that they would fill in for what they want to search. Exactly. On that form, are you requesting their name and email address or do they click that button, they go to a second page and that's where they're being requested? No, we do it right up front. We've, we've, we've tested a whole bunch of capture forms. Because you know, there's another type of capture form called teaser listings. Uh, so they can look at three or four or five properties, and when they click on that fifth property, a box comes up and says something. I have a philosophy on it. I don't know if it's a right philosophy or wrong philosophy, but it works for me. Basically, I look at it as when I make them you know, give us their name and email address and phone number up front, they know what they're getting. I'm asking for your stuff up front. When you tease them, I believe that more people will sit there and be aggravated with that, and more like a bait and switch. So, again, not because I, I do this everything, I tested it. We tested this probably two years ago now with a side-by-side site, and I did this in my office here. And we did one with the regular registration form and one with the teaser listings. And it wasn't a huge difference, but it was 2% higher capture rate with the, the form. So 2% is 2%. So it was 2% higher by not showing teaser, but requesting the information directly up front. Exactly. So we got a higher capture rate that way and possibly not as angry if they come off of the teaser sheet. Yeah, we never get anybody angry, which is really cool. We call all of our leads, and we can get into that in a little bit. But we never, I mean, really, I can count on one hand how many times in the past several years that we've had anybody get upset because we called them. Let's go back, and I, again, I want to just, you probably mentioned it, but on this form, what were the primary pieces of information you wanted from this lead? You wanted their name, their email. Was there something else? A phone number. A phone number. You are requesting phone as well. Okay. We request it, but we don't make it mandatory. And the reason why we don't make it mandatory is we found that if we make it mandatory, 50% of the phone numbers are wrong. And we found that if we don't make it mandatory, 50% won't fill it in. The other 50% are right. And so you're getting about 50% of the phone numbers? Yep. Yeah, we, we capture about 60%, about 10% are bad. Yeah, so we do pretty well with that. And all, and all we're doing on the forms, I'm, a, I'm really into simple. I like simple. I think a lot of people get way too complicated in this whole stuff. Okay, all we're asking for on their page is, are you looking for, what type of home are you looking for, residential or condo or commercial? How many bedrooms, how many bathrooms, what price range, and what cities? That's it. Oh, and then we ask them two questions. Do you have a home to sell? And would you like information on financing? Do you make the name mandatory? Nope. The only thing mandatory is the email address. We actually sold Mickey Mouse a house about four years ago. He wrote Mickey Mouse, but his email was good. And he really didn't look like Mickey Mouse. Let's do this. Let's actually back up and go back up the, the sales funnel, back to the top. We'll work our way down your system here. You first mentioned that you're doing pay-per-click, Google, and home gain. Let's talk about that. Let's start with Google. What does that mean? Explain that to us. If we hadn't heard this before, what would that mean and how, how are you going about it? Sure. Well, Google has their AdWords program. And that's basically when you click, when you do a search on Google, your top two results and all the results on the right-hand side are all sponsored listings, sponsored links. So those are people paying for those placements. So we're going to, you know, buy those things on a pay-per-click, meaning they only pay when someone actually clicks on my site. That's the beauty of Internet marketing is you know exactly where every penny goes. and It's all trackable because you know exactly how many people click on your site. And based on, on capturing leads, you know exactly how many leads you got based on what you got. So that's what we're doing. And 
is easy to do. Being really good at it is difficult. Uh, it takes a lot of time and a lot of effort. But it's uh, because if you don't if you don't do it correctly, you can spend a lot of money and waste a lot of money. Uh, meaning, if you don't have good capture pages, you don't want to do it. Uh, you can, in my area here, you could pay two dollars a click, three dollars a click. So that means every time someone clicks on my site, that's three dollars. So that's a, that's a lot of money. So those so those are the you know being on top of your your pay per click program is very important and uh, again can make or break somebody. Someone I've seen people spend thousands of dollars because they didn't know what they were doing not even capture a lead. I've seen people spend thousands of dollars to know how to do pay-per-click, but they didn't understand landing pages and didn't understand making people register. So they spend, you know, three, four, five thousand dollars and get four or five leads. Well, my assumption from what you've said so far about your other parts of your business is you do a lot of testing. Is that correct? Yeah, it's kind of a downfall for me. That's all I do is test. <laughs> a couple of things. Before I teach anybody this stuff, hey, I want to make sure it works. And secondly, before I roll anything out big time in my office, I got to make sure it works. And you can't test something over a week or two or three. It's, you know, generally the minimum is three months, usually six months or more. Could you give us, say, three, your top three best ideas on how to make this Google ad work so people like it and click on it and go to your landing page? Sure. It's a couple of things. One, if you, all you do is pull up a page that's, that you'll be working on. So if I pulled up Melbourne Real Estate, I could look at Melbourne Real Estate and see what everybody else is doing. You need to do something a little, the headline has to be different than what everybody else is doing. Or it doesn't, or you, you're just like everybody else. You have to set yourself aside a little bit. So that's, you know, really important. The body of it has to, you know, you've got two lines or three lines to tell, tell exactly what your site's going to do. So mine might say something like search for homes in, Mel- in Melbourne, Florida, search for homes in Cocoa Beach, Florida, uh, things like that. And then finally is your placement. You know, realtors, including myself, have, have pretty large egos. And we like to see ourselves on top. We like to see ourselves coming ranking first. But the problem with that is the cost is so much because most realtors don't have a clue what they're doing. So what happens is they bid the price up. So it's, we're, to give you an example, when I first started doing pay-per-click with real estate, uh, Google wasn't out yet, it was Yahoo, and I was only paying 15, 20 cents a click, sometimes 10 cents a click. Whereas now you're paying two to three dollars for that same click, and that's because realtors come into the market, not really getting what they want to do, but they want to be number one. So they start bidding two or three dollars. When if you all actually talk to each other, you could do all this for for pennies on the dollar. <laughs> but of course, realtors won't do that. So your placement is really important. I prefer. I don't ever try to be the number one person. I like number three because number three can show up in, in a few different spots. One, it will show up at the bottom of the page, but it'll also show up at the top of the right-hand corner. You know, the list on the right-hand side on Google of sponsors, you'll usually show up at the top there. So I want to be number three is my favorite spot to be. And you're probably going to say it, pay about a third less than everybody else. How are you making sure you're showing up number three? Are you able to select that as an option when you buy, or do you have to just keep testing your price purchase bid to see when you can get around number three. Yeah, you just got to play with it. There's no, Yahoo actually had a better model until they switched it probably in 2002 or three. Yahoo, you could actually pretty much pick exactly where you wanted to be. And back then I could, I knew exactly how to kick people out. I could easily kick people out. I don't get to the whole details. It's a little complicated, but basically now you've got to kind of play with it. You can still do that with Google. You can still make it so people pay more and, and your competition pays more and then they end up leaving because they're not getting results. But it's just a trial and error. You play a little bit and 
it's it's not difficult. It's really really simple actually, but it just takes monitoring. Uh, I at, at the time, and I don't carry this many anymore. I had 500 keywords back in 05 and 06 before I started using the, the home game product because that really helped me a lot. You've mentioned your body copy, and it sounds pretty similar to everybody else, so I assume that your headlines were unique and different. Could you give us a couple of headlines you've used that have been successful? Yeah, I've, I've, used, a, I've used a whole bunch of them, so off the top of my brain, it'll be tough to give you, give you them, but uh, the biggest one is, you know, really is just telling exactly what the page is, you know, uh, and, and that might be as simple as Cocoa Beach Homes for Sale. Uh, other things that I've do, used is we do, we help more people relocate than anybody else in the county, things like that. I try to be more specific on certain things. I've done one on for listing ones, uh, sell your house yourself, and that's brought people to the site. So, you know, we've we've we try different ones. Uh, I, I haven't really spent too much on Google the past few years uh, because I've been doing you know using HomeGain more more and more, but the. Um, you know, it's all about coming up with creative links. You know, I, I've always, you know, how to buy, you know, click here to, to learn how to buy foreclosure. We sent them to a foreclosure page. Uh, there's not a lot of people advertising foreclosures online. We try to look at what they're, what everybody else is doing and do something a little bit different. And we can't always do that. Sometimes it's there's just not much choice and you just got to do what's there, you know. You mentioned that you've winded down a little bit on Google. What percentage of your ad budget are you putting into Google AdWords right now? AdWords, I'm probably only doing 5% of my spend. Yeah, and it used to be 100% of my spend. Now, you mentioned home gain. For those of us that don't know what that is, why don't you break that down for us? What is that? Yeah, home gain is a interesting company, and, and, and I'll tell you the quick story on it because it's kind of funny. They called me up, and you guys all know this. They're out there listening to this. You get phone calls every single day from someone telling you how to do everything. So they called me up, and at the time I said I had 500 words on on Google AdWords, and they said we we have a pay per click product too, and we can do it better than you can. And I hear that every day, so I said that's great, good luck, and I hung up. But at the time I was spending about two dollars per click, and he was quoting me 79 cents. So I said, well, you know, for you know, what do I get to lose? It's a pay per click, so let me try a thousand bucks and see what happens. Well, an unbelievable thing happened. We were averaging about an eight percent capture rate at the time. At two dollars a click, at seventy-nine cents, all of a sudden I got a sixteen percent capture rate, and my leads just kept pouring in. Within two weeks, I switched my entire ten thousand dollar a month budget to uh, to home game. It's, it's a specific product. They have lots of products. We use a product called BuyerLink. So if you want me to give you the, the address, you can check it out. It's uh, homegainbuyerlink.com, and that allows you to go and see if they have anything available in your area. Some sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. We actually own the entire county. We bought the entire county now to keep our competition out. So the advantages of using that over Google is you're the only one that the people come to, meaning when you go to HomeGain, and you can go to HomeGain and try it out, HomeGain.com or the BuyerLink one, and when they click on Melbourne Real Estate, they end up directly on my IDX capture page. So when you go to Google, if you put in Melbourne Real Estate, you end up with 20 other realtors, right? With us, you end up with just me. I need to step back for a minute. I, I'm still trying to understand what home gain is. Is it is it a search engine? Is it a is it a page that people land on because home gain is doing advertisements to draw people into their page? What what is home gain? Home gain is a company that generates about five million people a month looking for houses. So they're a real estate portal, but they don't actually unlike Zillow and Julia, they don't actually carry listings. 
or Realtor.com. They don't. They use realtors like us to fulfill their listings. So they they have multiple products. They have the BuyerLink product, which is the one I'm talking about. That's the pay-per-click product. Uh, they have another product which is called Agent Evaluator. So people come online, they fill out a form, and that goes out to several agents within the area, and then the consumer picks which agent they want to work with, and they pay the realtor pays a um, a referral fee to home gain. And I know they have one other product, but I can't think of it off the top of my head. For me, all I really cared about was the BuyerLink product because the BuyerLink product was the pay-per-click product, and that's you know I can capture my own leads quite well. I don't need I don't need leads from another company. They're an interesting company. I mean, it was one, the only one that I've found out they're doing what they're doing, and, and still to this day, I've been using them for, geez, probably five years now. There's still nobody, nobody else doing what they're doing. Okay. You said they're not using an IDX system. They're using listings from the people that are already in their system. Is that correct? Yes. So they have agents that are, you, buy the, you buy the clicks on that area, and then they go directly to your IDX page. So if, they're on, if a consumer's on homegain.com, and they want to search Florida, and they'll, they'll click on Florida, and then the Melbourne area, and then Melbourne real estate. When they click on Melbourne, instead of going to listings, they'll go directly to my capture page, and my IDX page, which is my capture page. What honey, what attractive mechanism does HomeGain use to bring the buyers in initially? Is it listings? Do they have properties that they're showing as being for sale, and that's what's drawing in this initial. No, they they, they do really good on their on their uh, search engine optimization. They also have many partners like MLS.com. You get MLS.com, which obviously gets a ton of traffic. Uh, you're using the home game. It's really the home game interface that you're using, uh, and they have tons of providers like that. So they get people directly to their site through their search engine optimization, and they also do get get a lot of people to their um, internet partners like MLS.com. You said you're using this. Buyer link. I'm trying to imagine it in my mind's eye. The buyer goes in. They're interested in Cocoa Beach there, and a screen pops up to tell them a little bit about Cocoa Beach. Are you just kind of like a banner ad on the side of the page, or how does that work? No, we're a direct link. So, so yeah, I'll walk you through the process. So, someone goes to HomeGain.com, they click on Florida because they want to look at Florida. Then there'll be a list of all the different areas of Florida. So they click on the Melbourne area, which is our area. So they click on Melbourne area, then there'll be a list of every city within our area, within the Melbourne area. So then they click, they see Cocoa Beach, so they click on Cocoa Beach, and that that's going to go directly. There's no blur. It'll just say search for homes in Cocoa Beach. They click on that, and that'll go directly to my Cocoa Beach search page. Which has their registration page, which they're kind of in that mindset anyway because they've been going down through this narrowing process of geography and so it seems seems reasonable to ask for a, a search information at the end. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, it's a, it's pretty. It was really clever on their part. I mean, it, it's it's actually I I, ha, I don't spend a lot of money on Google anymore because this is all I do. And here's the other thing that's nice about it versus Google. Google is a lot of work to maintain, especially if you're doing it at my level. I was taking about an hour to an hour and a half every day just to go through my keywords, make sure they're where I want them to be. Honestly, with Home game. I have not really looked at my marketing except for twice a year. I I measure my capture rates through my different landing pages to see if I have to tweak anything. Other than that, I haven't spent one second looking at my my marketing, which is really nice. I mean, it's 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 freed up. It's, you know, you talk about seven or eight, ten hours a week that are that are freed up. It's almost the time to play. I get to play golf more. Comes back to that fun idea. Yeah, that's right. Ain't fun, ain't doing it. <laughs> what percentage of your budget now is going towards home game? 
that is all my budget, 95% of my budget. And are you generating buyer leads or both buyer and seller leads? We basically go to get buyer leads, but with buyer leads, when we ask them that question, do they have a home to sell, we know uh, if they're a local lead, we, we know this, you know we're going to try to get the listing, which is where a lot of our listings come from. And if they're out of state, we're going to uh, ask if they'd like one of our colleagues in their area come by and take a look at their house, and we generate a good amount of referral fees from that. With Home Game, what is your cost per lead now? My cost per lead runs around $8. And we close one out of 24, so if you look at that, it's what, a couple hundred bucks per sale. So would I spend 200 bucks for sale every single day of the week? To compare it to Google, what is your cost per click? Cost per click, um, again, Google is, is really their prices are high, really high because of agents not knowing what they're doing and bidding the prices up too high. So uh, home gain, I pay $0.79 cents and $0.99 cents per click, depending on which city. Oh, still, okay. Yep, which is compared to Google being $2 average. I mean, some, some like Cocoa Beach, you're probably paying closer to $3 right now. And so you're capturing about one in eight of the people that come to your site, and that's where the $8 comes out at. And then of those... One in twenty-four end up buying with you. Yep. Now let me let me clarify that though, because that's that's the number that what we you know we look at our total sales at the end of the year divided by the amount of leads that gives us our one out of twenty-four. The reality is an internet lead is about six to nine months before they're going to buy. We know that out of and this is the mindset you got to have when you're doing internet stuff. We know out of a hundred leads, ninety-five are terrible. We know that. We don't care about it. We're only looking for the five out of a hundred that are good. And your job as a salesperson is to prospect, right? I mean, that's what, if you know anything about prospecting, that's sales is prospecting. The more you prospect, the more business you get. The beauty of internet marketing is all warm calls, and we're only looking for five out of 100. As long as we get that five out of 100, we're doing fine. And that brings up the question of follow-up and conversion. How are you, how are you ferreting out the five out of the 100? It's pretty easy. We just beg. They come, <laughs> you know, we're poor realtors. Will you please come help us? No, um, it's. I mean, it's a process. Uh, my guess is that almost everybody listening to this call right now doesn't do anything with an internet lead except maybe send them an email saying, "Hey, you're on my site. Can I help you? What can I do for you?" Something to that degree. My guess is that everybody listening to this call may call the person once and never call back again, whether they get a hold of them or not, and. My guess is even if they did get a hold of them, they probably don't call back if they're not buying for six to nine months or more. Probably don't call them back ever again. Uh, that's where all agents fail. It's a, and again, I talk about mindset a lot. Mindset for my agents is different than mindset for almost every other agent out there. Most agents will see someone that's not buying a house for nine months. They will say, call me in nine months when you're ready. And we say it's a nine-month opportunity to create a relationship. Big, big difference in mindset. It's one of the reasons why we convert as much as we do. But there's a system involved. We don't just get a lead and do nothing with it. Our lead, a lead comes into our system. We send out a thank you letter within a few minutes after they get the lead. Thank you for using the site. My name is Mitch. I'll be sending you a list of properties shortly. Give me a call to discuss. Five minutes after that, we send them a list of properties based on what they were searching. We also, if they didn't give us a price range, we wouldn't put in default price ranges for those cities. Remember, every landing page is city-specific. And then after after we send them the list of properties, we're going to make the phone call and talk to them. If we don't get the call, they're automatically set up in listing updates anyway, so they're going to receive listings based on their initial search. If we do get a hold of them, then we're going to change the group that we put them into. 
and we're also going to cha- you know make changes to the search so they're getting listing updates. And depending on the group we put them into, it depends on the grip, drip campaign that they're going to receive based on that group. And I know I said that really fast, so hopefully you got it. <laughs> well, let's break that down a little bit. I, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> you, you send out this thank you letter right off the bat, and I'm assuming this is all through email, right? You don't have an address for them. Yes, all, all email, yeah. And then you send them a list of homes based on what they search for. Actually, let me break that down even more. You send them out a thank you letter. Is that automated or is someone manually putting that in? Yeah, our, our entire system is automated. So everything I just said to you is automated. Now, most we weren't until we built our software product, of course. So originally, well, we, would, we would do all that manually. So you get a, you would get a so for those of you who aren't automated, and that would be almost everybody. You get a you know when you get a lead in. You should have in a Word document the thank you letter. You just copy and paste it into an email and send it out to the customer. And then at that point, go into your MLS and do a search based on what they were searching. Your your lead, whatever you're using to capture leads, should give you at least enough information, you know, on what they're looking for, the city or price or something like that. If it was a property inquiry lead, a lot of those, a lot of people get property inquiry leads. If it's that, look at the listing they they inquired about, and then send them more lists like that, more properties like that. So we 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 did that we did all that manually, and then we would set them up in a email campaign. And our, our email campaign back then was really simple. It's a little more evolved now, but we just sent out a monthly newsletter, and then a just checking in letter every six weeks. And the just checking in letter is the most important email that we send out of everything that we do. Uh, it generates more business than anything else we do. And it's very simple. All it says is, hi, so-and-so. Just checking in, making sure you're getting my listing updates. If you have any questions, let me know. Remember, I can show you any homes in Brevard County. Please give me a call. Call or send me an email. That's it. Pretty simple. And we get so many responses from that, from people you know, emailing back, oh, yeah, I'm getting your listings. Keep them coming. They're great. All sorts of stuff. We get just tons and tons of response from it. The original thank you letter, is it phrased similarly? Thank you letter is really simple. Um, thank you for using our website at melbournehomesearch.com and Tropical Realty. My name is Mitch. I'll be your realtor, and I'll be sending you a list of properties shortly. I'll also be giving you a call to discuss them. Paraphrasing this, of course. I don't know word for word. I'll speak up your call shortly to discuss what I'm sending you to make sure I'm sending you the right stuff. If you have any questions in the meantime, please email me or give me a call. And then we always make our call. We try to do it within four hours, always within 24 hours. You know, obviously, the quicker the better. We always like to send the list of properties first because that way when we call, it's an easy phone call. It's just, a, hey, I sent you a list of properties. Did you get it? And you take the conversation from there. When people go to the original landing page, the squeeze page, and all their information is being requested, including this email, are they given notice at that point that you're going to be following up with them somehow? Are they opting into your list, or is that just happening? That's just happening. We give them the thank you letter. You know, comes out after that, and, and they can opt out at any time. At the bottom of every single email we send them, they can opt out. You know, one of the things when you're doing this type of stuff, it's very, very important that you follow the, the uh, email rules, which we do extremely well. Yeah, it's a, it's it's important because you get blacklisted. And how did I find that out? I found it out the hard way. <laughs> I got I got blacklisted from pretty much every everybody, Yahoo, Comcast, Bell South, pretty much everybody. I had an AOL. I had to go in and, and talk to them and you know on the phone and fill out these forms and all this stuff. And they explained the only thing I was doing wrong is when I didn't know what I was doing. I, I didn't have an opt out on every email. 
They said, as long as you have an opt-out on every email and people can walk away from, you know, opt-out of what you're sending them, then there's no problem at all. You've mentioned you want to make this phone call right away. Well, what percentage of the people, when you make the initial phone call, want to do something? Sure, great question. Uh, almost nobody. <laughs> uh, most people aren't ready to buy. It's they're, being, they're just dying the search or they're just, you know, most people aren't ready to buy. Now, with that said, there's some interesting stats because I like my stats, right? In 2011, 37% of our sales came from leads from 2011. So that means that 63% came from leads that were 2010, 9, and 8 and older. 20 sales came from leads from 2004. So we're just dying the relationship when we make that first phone call. Uh, with that said, 40% of that 37%, right, bought in 90 days. So we, so there's a percentage they're going to buy now, but there's a, a much larger percentage that's not going to buy for, uh, you know, six months, a year, or more. Uh, and every every market's different. Uh, one of the uh, people that I train is in, in Denver. Uh, they were just here the other day. And 80% of their business, their lead captures are local. So it makes it a lot, a lot easier for them to set an appointment today where people, you know, coming here have to fly here. They can't just, you know, drive over from, uh, you know, New York or Boston and be here, you know, tomorrow to look at houses. So so depending on the market you're in will determine on how quickly you can work with the customer. Now, after you have this conversation or this attempted conversation, you you start to drip on them. You mentioned what your old system was. Let's talk about your system today. It's not, you said you do two things. One, you have a, a listing update, so you're sending them out new listings, and then also drip email. Is that the same, or are those two different things? They're two different things. The listing update is just what, what it sounds like. It's just based on what their initial search was. Oh, well, before we go, there's one question. I, I didn't answer your question completely before because 40% of the people we get a hold of on the first call. By the fourth call, we've got a hold of 80%. So we call four times on every lead before we give up on them. How often do you keep trying to call them back? Do you try and call back all that same day, or do you spread them out? Yeah, probably like two times a week, basically. The first day, then two or three days later, then two or three days later, then two or three days later. And, and what we do is we try to pay attention to the time that they were on the site, if they saved a listing or they came back on the site or read an email that we send them, what time are they doing that? And that's generally the time we're going to call them. So, for instance, some people, you know, most people at work can't answer their cell phones, right? They actually have real jobs, unlike us. So they don't, they can't answer their emails. I mean, their phone calls. So you'll see on the internet that they're when they're looking, when we're looking at when they read their emails and stuff, it'll be seven o'clock at night, six o'clock at night, or eight o'clock in the morning. We're going to look at those times, and that's probably when we're going to call them. A lot of times, you'll see eleven o'clock in the morning to to twelve o'clock, uh, even through one o'clock. That's you know lunchtime. People are on on the internet you know, checking their stuff. So we try to make check those numbers before we make the phone calls so we can have a better chance of getting a hold of them. But but the interesting stat is you're going to get a hold of 35 to 40% on your first call. But if you actually do the work to call that fourth time, you'll get a hold of 80%. And I am not, I don't do five times, but supposedly the five time is 90%. So why don't you do the fifth time then? You know, I have enough trouble getting my agents to make the first call. <laughs> we actually have a group now, I think I wrote in the, in the letter that I gave you, uh, our LCA's lead conversion agents, which are lead coordinators, they'll actually follow behind them and make the second, third, and fourth call, and sometimes fifth, sixth, seventh call if, if needed. You know, if it's a really good lead, we're going to chase it. Who is calling back these leads? Are your agents calling back these leads initially, or who's making the call? Yeah, the initial call is from the agent. 
We used to do it with the L- with the lead conversion agents, LCAs, but it was it was just going to be too much. We have too many leads, and and I don't want to hire more LCAs. So the agents make the initial phone call, and then the LCAs follow behind them, and they'll make the second, third, and fourth call. So this is a member of your team, this lead conversion agent. Are they licensed agents? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, everybody in my office actually is licensed, including all my admin. And this lead conversion agent, their only job is to make phone calls and to do follow-up? Yep. Last month, uh, actually, I didn't do October's numbers. September's numbers were 5,000, it's approximately 5,000 dials and 1,200 contacts. How many people? How many lead conversion agents? Two. That's two people. How many appointments were set? I do not know off the top of my head, but I can tell you we closed 37 contracts in September, 34, 32 or 34 in October. Now, a quick word from our sponsor, Real GTV, real estate agent lead generation television, where top agents reveal exactly how they create consistent flows of home buyer and home seller leads into their practices every month. Need more leads? Hit the pause button right now. Open Google and search Real GTV. That's R E A L G dot TV. Now, back to the show. When the lead conversion agent calls, what is their objective? Is their objective just simply to make contact? It's the same as the agent. They'll call on behalf of the agent saying, you know, hi, this is Julie, is one of our coordinates. This is Julie. I'm, uh, I'm Roger's assistant. And we just want to make sure the list we're sending is what you're looking for and when you're looking to come in and buy. And if they're looking soon, then we, we start talking about financing with them. That's one of the reasons why we have licensed agents doing it, because they can actually talk real estate. And, and they get paid a percentage of the sale plus a, a salary. This person gets paid a salary plus a, a bonus as a percentage of the sale. Is that correct? Yes, exactly, yeah. And, that, and depending on the market, I'm helping a guy out right now in, um, in D.C., where the average sale is like 920. You know, in that case, you can probably get away with paying just commission for the position. In our area here, where an average price is 117 for the county or 150 something for us, they can't make enough money on just a 5% commission to, to live and pay their bills. So I have to pay a salary here. If, you know, if our sales were, you know, five, six, seven hundred thousand dollars a whack or more, and they're making 500 bucks, 600 bucks on a, on a sale or a thousand dollars on a sale, that's a whole different game. What kind of salary do you need to pay to attract them? Uh, we basically ten dollars an hour is what we pay. So sixteen hundred dollar base and then five percent commission. And, that, and that's in this thing, you know, you can you can you can't live live on that, but you can, you know, they they make a decent living. I mean, they'll probably make in the forty plus thousand range this year. And that's a full time job. They're working forty hours a week. Oh yeah. And are they making phone calls the entire time, or in their day of eight hours, how many how many hours are they actually calling? They call different hours too, so we. My, my whole thing with 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 my staff is is I don't really care what hours you work as long as you get the job done. You know, I'm a little flexible in that stuff. So they, you know, they got families and stuff. So they do it. Sometimes they're calling it on night. Sometimes every other weekend we give each we give the other person off, so they don't have to make any phone calls and we shut their agents' leads off for that for the weekend and and so they have the weekend they're completely off i don't make them call on sundays of course unless they want to you know keep in mind the more calls they make the more money they make you know so that's kind of what they look for you know they're calling all different times uh, they, you know a lot of times they'll call at night after dinner because you know between seven o'clock and eight o'clock you get a whole lot of people we use a phone call dialing system uh, called mojo and so they're able to call three people at the same time which has been really uh a breakthrough for us in the lead conversion 
because we couldn't you couldn't dial that many phone numbers in the past. So their hours are. I'm trying to get an idea that is are there structured hours or do you just say make X number of calls this week or how does it work? They know what I'm expecting from them as far as you know how many appointments we. I mean the goals the main goal is how many appointments are we setting for the agents, and my goal is to have every agent showing you know eight plus people per month. And we get there sometimes, sometimes we don't. You know, so the, you know, we, we've gone back and we're going to we're reevaluating right now actually because we've made some major changes the last month. You know, hoping to get you know, get a, a better point on so I can actually give a quota that they have to hit every month. So we're working on that right now. So currently, they don't have a quota on hours worked, number of dials made, or appointments set. Right. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm pretty easy. How do you make sure they make calls? Do they have to come into the office? No, nope. The dialer tells me how many calls they make. So I look. I can. So they can't fake anything. I see exactly what they call, exactly what they what they do. So for instance, I mean, if they're not making the call, if they're not hitting to me, my numbers are not doing at least four thousand dollars a month. Then we're gonna have a conversation. It's not been an issue. These these girls work their tails off. I'm I'm really blessed. I mean, they are really hardworking and they really get what we do. And the, and the other beauty for this position, which is totally has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but it's kind of cool, it was their idea, not my idea, is we needed to hire more agents. We want to give them 30 agents. So I said, all right, well, I'll, I'll, I, how are we going to do that? I, you know, I, I run ads once in a while, but, you know, you don't really get a lot of agents from running ads. And they said, well, we'll just call every agent in the county. So they have, and I have been slammed with, uh, I, had, uh, I, I had four interviews this morning before I talked to you, and then... Uh, I've got one after you, two after you, and then I've got tomorrow, I've got, I think, six. Wednesday, I don't have any. Thursday, I have two, and Friday, I think I have four or five. I mean, they, they're just setting up appointments for me left and right. We did 20 appointments two weeks ago and hired four, and I'm hoping to hire maybe six out of this group. We've already hired three so far, so I'm three more will be good. And then we're going to stop for a little bit because I'm sick of interviewing. The lead conversion agent... Were these people that were already on the team that you moved into the position, or did you bring people from the outside to fill this position? Yeah, I brought people in. Yeah, I came up with the, with the idea. I realized not too long into this. I mean, I actually started the program about four years ago. Uh, we just really mastered it in the past six months, actually. I mean, and we're still testing. You know me. I'm, I told you I'm test, test, test. But basically, I, I, I put ads on Craigslist and got a lot of great responses from agents that, that I brought in, and obviously a bunch of them didn't make it past the phone call since it's a phone call type of job, and if, I, if your voice isn't doing it for me on the, on, on the phone call, there's no reason to bring you in for an interview. And I had about 10 people that I brought in, and honestly, out of the 10, there were probably six that I would have hired, and I hired the two best ones. So these people were already licensed? Yes. So you didn't go out, for instance, and find telemarketers and then get them licensed, you went out and found agents who were good on the phone and put them in the position. Exactly. There's a lot of realtors out there that love real estate, love talking real estate, but really have no desire to run around showing houses or doing listing appointments and you know, but want to stay in the real estate business and that's kind of the person that you're looking for. So this lead conversion agent, do they work in your office or are they working from home? They do both. They dial into the computers here to get on the dialer so they can work from anywhere. They can work from their cell phone. And then because they're doing that, you can track how many dials are being made. Exactly. Yeah, it's a great system. It's Mojo Selling Solutions, it's called. It's 150 bucks a month. And we run, well, we'll, we'll, when we're finished hiring, we'll have 15 agents on each girl, each LCA. 
and you can put as many voicemails as you want. So when they're leaving a message, all they do is click a button, and that leaves a message for the agent. Hi, this is Marlena. Uh, I'm Roger's assistant. Uh, please give Roger a call back at blah, 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 you know, something like that. The other cool thing that's really funny that I thought was really hokey, I said, what happens when two people answer at the same time? They said, well, you just leave a voicemail that says, hello, hello. I can't hear you. I must have a bad connection. I'll call you back. And uh, it works great. <laughs> and I thought, I'm like, that, that's really hokey. But you know what? It works It works so well in getting our contacts because all we care about is contact. That's our number one thing is contact. And then the system probably puts it back in to call them in the next few minutes anyway. Yep. As soon as we, well, we put the system on hold. And so it's right there. And we see their name. And we just call them back and we're done with that call. Let me go back to that sales funnel. We had the thank you letter, and we talked about the the initial list that goes out, and the phone call. We've just talked about that quite a bit. You also mentioned this listing update. How often are you sending out this update of homes? We send them whenever there's a new listing that matches their criteria. So some people get them three or four times a week. Some people might get them three or four times a month. Uh, So it really depends on on their criteria. We try to keep our, our searches broad. And what do I mean by that? When we do a search, if we see there's only six homes that match that search, we're going to try to broaden it out a little bit to get up to like 25 to 35 homes, if not more. Because the more homes that are in that search, the more listing updates they're going to get, the more you're in front of them. Real estate, internet marketing real estate is all about being in front of them at the right time when they're ready to buy. So this allows us to be in front of them all the time. Now, the downside, we're, we're blessed to have a, you know, built a really good software program here. The downside of using the MLS is when when your MLS board or your board of directors decides to change MLSs, you're going to lose all that. And, and I know that firsthand twice because it happened to me in 06. We lost 10,000 people, and we are about to switch again. We have, still have 18,000 prospects in our MLS before we got our software, and we were about to lose all 18,000 of them. Because you were keeping them in the your local MLS's software, their search criteria, and now you've created software outside of that system, so if the system gets changed, the MLS gets changed, you still are able to retain your leads. Is that correct? Right. Well, we retain the leads from the new system. You just lose the searches, which is a big thing. When you have 18,000 people, yeah, so we have eight, currently 18,000 people. So we're I mean, we're prepared for this time. Last time when, when we lost the 10,000, we were not prepared, and it was very dramatic. We've talked with the company, and, and luckily I'm on the board of directors and the president-elect for the board, so I have a little bit of a say. Uh, what's going on, but we're basically going to run systems side by side, so it'll give us time to move people, move those 18,000 people into our software, and hopefully we don't lose too many from it. I mean, you know, we're going to lose a portion of them, but hopefully we don't lose too many. You currently have 18,000 buyer leads from the internet? Well, we actually have 45,000. How does that break out 45,000 versus the 18,000? Well, the 18,000 were before we built the software. So the, the so the other so there's really twenty seven thousand in the new system, uh, and then eighteen thousand leads in the other system. You have forty five thousand buyer leads in a market of five hundred thousand. You're talking to ten percent of the people. Yeah, and our, actually, our other our other office has thirty five thousand leads. So we actually between the two of us, we have what was that eighty thousand leads? Yeah, we have, we have a lot of leads, yeah, and that's after we just cleaned up the databases and took out about twenty thousand people. And the reason you're able to have that many leads and keep up with them is it's all electronic. You're, you're not sending out hard mail, as an example. Exactly. Everything is done. Uh, you know, and again, we've automated the process and spent a lot of money setting that up. But, you know, it's paid for itself over and over again. On that listing update that you're sending out, 
is it automatically generated from their initial input on that registration page? Yes, we do two different things. We do either what they searched, and as long as they searched, you know, give us a price range, then we'll do a, a list based on that. As long as there's enough houses that match it, there's not enough, enough houses, or if they don't give us the price ranges, go, we, we've assigned a default price range to every city. So going back to Cocoa Beach, we know that Cocoa Beach prices average between one fifty dollars and $300,000. Now, yes, there's homes that are a million dollars in Cocoa Beach, but majority of sales are one fifty dollars to $300,000. So if they don't give us a price range, the system's going to automatically notice send that default list instead. So it's a pretty cool system. And we spent, you know, so it took, took uh, two years to develop it. Do you manually update this listing update if you make contact and start talking with the individual? Can your agent go in and adjust the price range or the area or the type of property? Yeah, we'll name, we'll just do a new, we'll do a, we'll do a new search. It takes about two minutes to do a new search. So yeah, we're talking to someone on the phone. We're adjusting the search while we're in there, and then we delete the old search, and they'll keep getting listing updates on the new stuff. Let's go to the fifth element, the drip emails. What is being dripped out now besides this listing update? Depends on, on the category that we put them in. So we have a few different categories that we work. We work in active lead. So an active lead will get you know different things that are a little bit fluffy, like things to do in the area. 62 things a realtor does for you, a letter from me, just kind of talk about how we work as a brokerage. And things like that. And there's not a ton of them. We don't do a lot of drips. So it's not that many. Because people only come to your website for one thing, to look at listings. So we don't want to send them a whole bunch of stuff. And then we do that newsletter and that just checking in letter. So that's an active lead. A, then we have a, our good phone number, no contact lead. So these are people that have good phone numbers, but we've not gotten a hold of them yet. So that'll have a, a, a separate drip campaign just trying to get them to contact us. And then our most important drip campaign is our no phone number, bad phone number drip campaign. And that sends out a drip campaign on top of the listings that they're getting. Uh, and some of the other stuff, it, it sends out more so, you know, I uh, would love the opportunity to discuss what we're sending you. Please give us a call at so-and-so. 25% of our sales every year come from that group. Yeah, last year we had 81 sales from leads with no phone numbers. Now, that's those are leads that most agents would throw away or send that quick email and never get a response. And we produced 81 sales last year from that. And it's been 25% every year. It's 24, 25, 26. Every single year, it's the same percentage. How often are you sending them an email? Uh, probably too much. Uh, <laughs> it depends. It depends on their search. If they have a very wide open search, they could get an email every day from us. If they don't have a uh, wide, they could get you know one email or two emails a week. We only have about 10% on subscribe rate. So... We're not really in a hurry to change anything since 10% is nothing as an unsubscribe rate. So, you know, so far it looks like people are pretty happy with what we're doing. And we and, and as the time goes on, there's, you know, the first two weeks is more drips than any other time because uh, there's a lot of information we're trying to get them. When we get into a longer period of time, it's more like, uh, you know, they'll get the listings all the time, but the other stuff's, you know, a couple times a month. What is the goal or objective of all the follow-up? Is it to set a buyer appointment? Uh, yeah. Well, the goal, I mean, the follow-up is, is to really find the buying time frame. The buying time frame, you know, if it's, we're going to do a different follow-up schedule for someone that's buying a house in a year than someone buying a house in three months. So we have a different phone call follow-up schedule for all of those different things. If they were going to buy in a year, how often would you call them? We make the first call today. We have a conversation with you, set you up and listing updates based on what you want. A week later, we're going to call 
just to make sure what you're getting is what you like, you know, what you like what you're getting. And then we're going to call every two months until they get to six months, and then every six weeks until we get to three months, and then once a month until we get to one month, and then once a week till they're here. How about 90 days? Uh, 90 days will be once a month until they get to a month. So it'll be basically same thing. We're going to call today, say hi, set, make sure we're setting what they want, call a week later to verify, and then it'll go once a month for the next two months, and then once a week for that final month. And, and, and by the way, this can, this can change all the time. I mean, it all depends on the conversation. That's our basic rule of thumb. But, but at any time, anything could change. We never really know, you know. Based on the conversation itself. Exactly. What is the next step? You're talking to them. You're following up with them. You find a buyer that wants to do something. Do you have a meeting in your office with the buyer? Do you meet the buyers at properties? Are you trying to set up a buyer agency agreement? I know that's a lot of questions, but what is the next step with this buyer? The next step is pretty simple. I mean, if, if they're ready to buy, we're going to, it's just like any other, any other buyer. So depending on the situation, we may, they may meet them, meet us at our office or they might meet them at the first house or they might meet them at a parking lot and then go from there. It, it really, you know, everyone's different. So, um, it really just depends on, on the situation. We have three offices around the county, but you know, it can be like from Palm Bay to here is you know thirty five minutes. So if someone lives in Palm, one of our agents is in Palm Bay, showing in Palm Bay, they're not going to drive here to meet them. They're just going to meet them in a restaurant or Starbucks or wherever and go from there. Do you have a buyer presentation like you would at a seller's house with a listing presentation? We do, but I would probably venture that none of my agents actually use it. <laughs> I'd like to think they do, but I know they don't. I update it every quarter for them. The main thing in the buyer presentation is. And we and we give it to them. It's just like uh, we what we do is we we email it out to them right before, a week before they get here, so they have an understanding of our market, and that's what the presentation is about. The presentation is about understanding that depending on your price range is going to determine the the list of sales price. So, for instance, we know that a property is listed at 100 grand. You're going to need to be somewhere between 98 and 105 percent of that price, or you're not going to get the house. If the property is listed at 300 grand, you could be closer to 94 percent. You know, things like that. So we 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 update that stats every uh, three months. Does Florida have buyer agency or buyer brokerage where you represent the buyer? We do it occasionally, but um, not often. I mean, I like doing it. Is what we tell our agents to do is is when they're when they're doing a um, if, they, if their customer is from out of state and they want us to go take pictures and stuff like that of a house, we have them sign a buyer brokerage agreement. If they're here. We generally do a pretty good job, and they generally don't know too many other people because, you know, they're from out of the area. Uh, so we do a pretty good job of keeping them. I personally like buyer brokerage agreements. I don't make my agents do them. Uh, I've got a couple that do them always, and I have some that will never do them. So I personally never use them. Uh, I do like them, but I've never used them because I built good enough relationships that it wasn't an issue for me. What percentage of your buyer closings last year do you think had a buyer brokerage agreement? Oh, I mean, maybe maybe five, <laughs> not five percent, maybe five total sales. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's really you know, and 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 no offense to realtors, but most realtors are going to take the path of least resistance, right? I mean, that's just that's that's just not realtors. That's everybody. So you know, so I it's a tool that's there available to them. I highly highly recommend my agents to if they're going to show property or go take pictures of a property or go preview property that they have one signed. 
I personally would not go out and do that without that signed. But I, I didn't really make them sign unless I had to do that work beforehand. Do you have any kind of loyalty pledge or loyalty script that your agents use with the buyer to make sure they stay with your agent? We do. You know how good they are at it. I can give you a, a quickie on it. And this is going to be word for word, but it'll be close enough. Uh, basically, I'm going to give you 150% of my time and effort to find your house. Uh, the only thing I ask for is a few things. I ask for a few things uh, in cooperation to do that uh, because ultimately I don't get paid unless you buy a house for me. I always, my mother taught me Jewish guilt very good. So we always, you always use that on the customer. And then, and then we go into things like, you know, if you, are you remotely interested in new construction? That's probably the biggest place realtors lose their business is to builders. Uh, if you're remotely interested, I need to take you to each each builder and, and register you at the neighborhoods that we'd be interested in. And keep in mind that they always work for the builder and they don't work for you no matter what. So by having me on there, you have somebody representing you uh, during the transaction. We talk about open houses. Like, uh, if you go into an open house, here's a bunch of my cards. Uh, please take them with you and, and make sure you let the agent on duty knowing that you work, you're working with me. If you drive by or for sale by owner, please get the address and the phone number for me, and I'll call and get you in the door. I uh, Remember, for sale by owners don't have any clue what they're doing, and you really need representation on those. Uh, and then we finally talk about listing signs. If you're driving by a, a sign on the house and you want to get in there, please call me. If for some reason I am not available, I'll make sure one of my, my teammates uh, will get out here and open the door for you. And that's kind of it. And, and then you got to do a great job. <laughs> you know, that's the key. Loyalty is, is created by a great job. And for me, it was about having fun. I very, very seldom lost a customer. I lost a couple of customers that I actually didn't mind losing. But the majority of my customers have stayed with me and have become loyal. And I get—I have not personally sold houses since 2004. And I get about 20 to 25 referrals every year still. Because it's tough because I actually have to sell a lot of them houses because they don't want to work with any of my agents. They want to work with me, <laughs> which is okay. I just thought some of your database, you said it's, it's currently about 80,000. When you add your offices together, eighty thousand leads—is that correct? Yes, yes. And when I talk, when I talk sales, by the way, I'm only talking. When I talk everything, I'm only talking this office. So, sales from this office, our database here is forty-five thousand. I don't count the other office. I just like this is my main office. I just count this one. Okay. We actually did another two hundred fifty sales from the other office. I just reran these numbers real quick because I want to make sure I got this this correct. You've got these forty-five thousand leads in that office. You had about 300 closings last year. The majority of them were buyers. If I did my math right, that's like one in 150. So you need 150 leads to generate one closing each year. Does that sound about right? Yeah, it, yes and no. And let me explain that, what that means. Because the the reality is, is we look at, if the leads are very tough to justify. I mean, I can't get 100 leads today and say I'm going to get five closings today out of these 100 leads because of the time frames involved in closing an internet lead. That's why I threw that stat out earlier. 37% of our sales came from last year, came from leads from last year. We know that the leads take a time frame. So we know that you can't really, you can't really go lead to sale and be an accurate number. So that's why at the end of each year, and, and there's a lot of people doing this around the country. We've all kind of, we all kind of know each other to do this. And we've all kind of agreed that the only way you can really do this is how many leads did I get in this year and how many sales did I get from leads this year. And that kind of gives me my number. There's a building process. I didn't. I wasn't this good at it when we first started doing all this stuff. Of course, back when I was first started doing it with my team, I was closing one out of 52 leads. So it, you know, you have all these leads that are built up. They just keep building up over time. So even though there's 45,000 leads in there, there's probably only 3,000 that are really going to buy a house. 
You know what I mean? So so we know that. But we so we all we look at is the total leads over the end of, over the year. And I think last year we had like seven thousand leads and we had three hundred and one sales from them. So I think that was I don't know the exact number off the top of my head, but it was right around that. And that gives us one out of twenty four leads to the sale. You're a stat guy. You've probably run this number. Do you know how much it's costing you per closing with your marketing system? So you put $500 into marketing, you're getting one closing. Do you have that kind of number? I just know it costs us $200 per sale. So I don't, I don't really track how much money I spend to how many closings I get from it on a basis like that. We just know that if I've got to generate, you know, we we've average a dollar per click is what we what we calculate when we do our numbers. We average eight dollars per per lead, and so therefore we know that you know one out of twenty four sales is eight times twenty four, which is just under two hundred dollars. Uh, so that's how we figure out our numbers. You've been doing marketing beyond real estate in all kinds of areas, but just talking about real estate, what marketing attempt did you try? What marketing thing did you do that didn't work out? Any mistakes in marketing? Oh my God, I made so many. I'll tell you my favorite mistake I made, and I still love the site there. But but it, it was it it had very very bad repercussions. I I had a, I hired a kid. I, I like postcard marketing. I haven't done any since we switched over the internet, and we're actually getting ready to blanket some pretty a lot of areas right now with postcard marketing. But postcard marketing, if you're going to do, it, you have to do it consistently, meaning every week or every other week forever. So we're going to do every week for eight weeks, and then every other week forever on the few few thousand homes we're going to do. So anyway, a couple of years ago, maybe it might have been last year, beginning of last year. I said, wouldn't it be cool if you can go into a neighborhood, take a picture of every single house, and the first postcard that goes out is a picture of their house, second one goes up with a for sale sign in front of it, third one goes out with a under contract sign in it, and fourth one goes out with a truck in the a moving truck in the driveway, and you can and, and it's all all very easy to do techno, technologically now, and I love that. Like this is so cool. People are gonna be they're gonna wow, that's really cool marketing. I get yelled at by so many people. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing marketing my house? My house isn't for sale. I'm like, oh, and I just, I just didn't think it through. Obviously, <laughs> I, I still, we now we did get one listing from it. <laughs> I think we were on the on the second or third mailing before, and one of them was like a gated community that I really wanted to get into, and, and the, the association called me and the HOA rather, and, and they threatened me, and because we kind of snuck in there to take the pictures. And, so that was probably my worst marketing I have ever done. It was a great idea, but it backfired. Yeah, and I still like the idea. I, you know, it's just I like to always be creative. I, another one. Here's here's where this is a great a great story. Uh, this is how I I stopped doing all print media, meaning homes and land magazines and you know all that newspapers and all that stuff. In 2006, I decided to do TV. My background before internet was TV and radio and direct mail, and so. Uh, I said, you know, I haven't done TV commercial. It'd be fun to do a TV commercial. So I spent thirty thousand dollars over three months, uh, ten thousand dollars a month on on TV ads, which, by the way, is not enough time, and I knew that. But uh, at the end of the three months, we only had ten phone calls and no no contracts from it. And I sat down and looked. And I said, thirty thousand dollars. Well, thirty thousand dollars and a dollar a click, right, would equal three thousand leads, right, divided by twenty-four. What's that like? One hundred and twenty sales. That was that was my big aha moment in marketing. That was when I stopped everything and just went internet. It was pretty cool. It was like it was it was a really it was really huge. It was like wow, I spent all this money in marketing and I got nothing. Where I know I know my numbers on the internet. 
So what, if I spent that 30 grand on the internet, I had 120 sales I just left on the table. Yeah, after I threw up a couple of times, I was uh, I was fine. <laughs> well, at least you figured it out within three months. Yep. You didn't keep doing it. Yeah, well, after that, the third month, and I was prepared. I had a contract with six months because you don't do anything for less than six months. But at the end of three months, I was like, you know what, this is this is just stupid. You know, and and, and TV, you know, the thing with branding and everybody's all realtors are trying to brand all the time. The thing with branding is, if you don't have the capital to really brand then you shouldn't brand at all. You need to look at what's a lead, what can I do to generate leads, not what can I do to get my name out there. You know what I mean? And getting your name out there, it's kind of what you're taught in old school real estate is, you know, get out there and, you know, do this and buy added homes and land and put your five listings in there and hope you get a call from it. And there's just better, more efficient ways. The other thing with internet marketing is you know exactly where every penny goes. One of my favorite lines, I, I help local small businesses too with their internet stuff as a get my give back thing that I do for the community. I'll always ask them, you know, what, what are you doing for marketing and, and what's working? And the most common thing I hear is, well, I know 50% of my marketing is working. I just don't know what 50%, you know, and that's typical marketing. Because let's face it, most of you, most realtors, most of you people listening to this call don't know anything about marketing. Most of you, there might be a couple that do, but you really don't. And you're all bought into some of these systems out there that, you know, will do all this stuff for you. But how do you know that, you know, does it work? I don't know. You know, and, and then if you're going to do something, you have to test it. You can't just do something for a week and say it didn't work. You can't decide to market a postcard to a neighborhood, and if you don't get any calls the first time you made a million, don't don't do it. I have one of my agents just got his seventh postcard out, and he's doing it eight week eight weeks in a row, and he got three phone calls this week finally. But it took seven postcards before he got three phone calls. So you know, so whatever you're doing, you've got to do, you got to do for long periods of time. That's the beauty of the internet. I can go online right this minute, right while we're on this phone call, set up a new campaign, and before we hang up the call, I already got a lead. Right, or you'll know whether it worked or not. If it didn't work, you know you're not going to do the same thing tomorrow. Right, exactly. So it's accelerated the time that you get a response, you get that feedback. Oh yeah, I mean, literally. I mean, you can set up today. I mean, I, I have it. I got an email here from one of my guys who uses my software, and he got 450 leads his first three weeks of internet marketing. I mean, he's, he's ecstatic. He doesn't even know. How, he's like swamped. He doesn't know what to do. <laughs> I said, now it's time to grow your team and hire agents because you got too many leads. <laughs> well, that brings us to your team. Outline for us who's on your team right now. I have four, 14 agents. Well, I, I just hired six more so far, or four more. I think we're up to 22 agents, but four, basically 14 for the year that we had. I think we're up to 22 now because I've been hiring a little bit. And I have my office manager, Pat, who's phenomenal, best office manager I've ever had, best employee I've ever had in my 30 years of being in business. Lindsay's my marketing coordinator. She does um, all of our postcards. You know, I just listed postcards and um, website stuff for me. Uh, I've got a admin person that comes in three days a week, and she just does she does stats, basically. She does all my stats for everything that I do, uh, so I can keep track of everything. She does keeps our sales paperwork together and stuff like that. I have a, a on-site bookkeeper who mainly works for my Fannie Mae stuff. I have another bookkeeper that does all my general real estate. And then I have my two LCAs. It's a pretty good-sized operation. And we could handle about another 200 sales a year. 300 sales a year, that would make me happy. So that, what is your goal? You you mentioned the goal. You're trying to get up to 500 closings then per year? Uh, yeah, five to 600 is my goal. Now, we want to start getting our goal for 2013, and that's why we're hiring. If we can do one point. Eight, if we can average 18 sales an agent next year, which is what we've averaged, last year we averaged 19. I haven't done this year yet. 
Uh, if we can do that next year with 30 agents, then obviously I'm, I'm selling a lot of houses. And that's kind of what we realized is I've got to, for me to hit the numbers that I want, if I do 18 sales per agent, it's 540 sales. Uh, I would ultimately like to get to 600 as my number. If I get to 600, I'll be a really, really happy boy. And my wife would be really happy too. <laughs> I'm looking at your your team, and I don't see some type of closing manager or listings manager. Who is handling all that paperwork? Are the agents handling that? The agents handle that right now. We had a closing coordinator for a while when we first opened the brokerage, and all the agents, you know, it came out of the agent's pocket, and they were all complaining about it and the cost. And I said, fine, you want to handle your own closings? I don't care. We review every file. I mean, every file gets reviewed here, and we're in the process of going to an online transaction management system. Uh, I've got a meeting on Wednesday. We'll probably have it implemented by next week. Because the biggest thing is, is storage right now. We've, You know, we have a lot of closings, and we try to get everything scanned, but... We're also busy here. You know, right now we're probably about 80 files that need to be scanned. We haven't gotten to yet. So online transaction system, you can, you know, everything's automatically stored. That's kind of what we're looking for. How do you compensate your buyer agents? Basically, we have a pretty simple program now. We used to have this complicated graduated commission schedule. Uh, anything that is in-house is 50%. So that means floor calls or lead, anything lead-driven is, is, is 50%. Their own business is between 60 and 70%, depending on the volume for the previous year. So at the end of December, we'll look at everybody's volume. Anybody between 3 and 4 million will be 65, 35 on their own stuff. Anybody over 4 million will be 70, 30. Anybody under 3 million will be 60, 40. So we have some sort of incentive for them to keep going. And then anybody that sells any houses in-house or any of our listings, they get a 5% bonus on whatever they're at. And so your agents are you know, I call them buyer agents. You just call them agents. So they're handling both the buyer side and the seller side? Sure. Yeah, I don't stop them from doing business. You don't have any specialization where they only work buyers or only work sellers? Nope, I don't care. Sales are sale to me. I just want, I just want closings. Mitch, we've talked about a lot of this stuff here. A question that's probably going to pop up in people's minds are, are you profitable? We are, except this year. We have been very much so except this year because we've, we've put a lot of more infrastructure in this year. And I spent a lot of money testing things. We generally, yeah, we're, we've always been profitable. This is we're going to be probably break even this year, but we've been profitable every year except this year because I've, I've implemented some more stuff and spent a lot of money on some stuff. Uh, so next year, and by and by the way, I make a really nice paycheck that's included in our overhead. So so from a broker standpoint, yes, we're very profitable. I get paid first. That's the rule of thumb in business. Pay yourself first. <laughs> Yeah, I learned that a long time. I've been in business a long time. If you're going to struggle about your own bills, you're not doing anything right. <laughs> so I always pay myself first. So, yes, we, we've made a, a decent profit every year, including my, you know, even after my salary. Yeah, and I'm expecting next year to be awesome. I'm really looking forward to it. What I'm doing right now is I'm going through my budget and, and all the stuff that's not working. And i got a whole bunch of stuff out there I'm testing right now. Every, everything that I've tested, I'm going to pull back in. If it's not working, I'm pulling it. Probably knock about 20% off my overhead and go from there. Uh, I could be more profitable, by the way. I could let a few people go if I wanted to and make more profit. But, you know, people rely on me for their, their paychecks to feed their family, so I'm not, I don't need to make that much money. Life is good. <laughs> when you say you pay yourself off the top, are you paying yourself a flat salary each month, or do you pay yourself a percentage of the uh, gross that comes in? I pay myself a salary. Yeah, and and here's, here's the thing, you know, a lot of realtors don't do that. And, and I, I did this when I was even when I was just selling houses. To me, if you're going to be, if you're if you're running your business as a business, which you should be, 
then you, you need to be on the payroll and know that you have a paycheck. Now, the problem with that, of course, realtors live paycheck to paycheck, so you've got to you've got to kind of look at your business model and what you're doing. But even as an individual agent, I, I paid myself every week. The rest of the money just went to the bank. In the prior years, because this year you've had these capital expenditures, apparently, that, that have thrown your profitability. But in prior years, if someone were to look at your model, what kind of profit margins were popping out the bottom? A, a percentage of the revenues is what I'm looking for. Yeah, about 10%. Actually, if you add my salary, in, probably closer to 20%. I'm a pretty good businessman, but I have some definite flaws, meaning I love to pay my staff really well. I had a company interested in buying us recently, and I'm not ready to sell, so it wouldn't happen anyways. But, you know, I, Pat probably makes twice as much as any other office manager out there. I pay really well. Lindsay, my marketing coordinator, probably makes more money than, than people. Then, of course, you have my LCAs, which nobody has. You know, there's a you know $80,000 year overhead there. So, you know, this, I pay really well because I want my staff to, to do well. So I could make it more profitable if I wanted to, but I'm, I'm not really, I don't really have a reason to make it any more profitable right now. And turnover is expensive in money and time. Yep. And I don't have, a, I don't have turnover. And, and by the way, the beauty of this business model I've only lost people that have left without me telling them to leave. Three agents in almost eight years. Nobody leaves because, well, two reasons. And I, and I built it like that. I don't like to recruit. This is the first recruiting we've ever done, this whole recruiting thing we're doing right now. We just think about it in this stance. If, you are an, if you're an agent and you're working for a team or you're a team leader and you have agents working for you and you have 3,000 leads, are you going to walk away from those? Most likely not. Yeah, most likely not. And and I've had three. Uh, two out of the three have done okay. One's failed miserably. You know, sometimes the the downside to this type of model for an agency is dependency. But the upside is, you know, I don't have any really any agents that are broke. I mean, they're not making as much money as they could if they worked a little better and a little smarter and hotter. But, you know, I don't have any agents making $200,000 and I don't have any agents making $25,000. Mitch, what drives you? Good question. I, I, you know, I, I actually, I don't know how much you like Tony Robbins, but I love Tony Robbins. I'm a big fan. And a couple of years ago, I went, I, I always wondered that. I always wondered what drove me. Because I've been driven like this since I was, I'm 51 years old, and I'm still ready to rock. i got more stuff to do. And I often tried to figure it out over my lifetime, and I really didn't know because nobody else in my family is an entrepreneur, and they all have regular jobs. And, and so I... When you, I went to this Tony Robbins seminar, and he, he said he did put everybody in a trance. There's 3,500 people there. He puts everybody in a trance, and he brings you back in time to the earliest time you can remember. And I actually got back to three years old, screaming at my front door, wanting to come in because my hands are dirty. I mean, just, and it was I mean it was as vivid as it was the day it happened. And then he he brings you forward, looking for those moments in your life that changed you. And it was really interesting. I got to eight years old. It's going to sound really stupid to the people listening to this, but it's, it's the reality. I really believe this is what happened. At eight years old, my, I am not mechanical at all. My idea of fixing anything was a checkbook. Uh, my dad was one of the reasons why we have ballistic missiles. He, he was one of the designers on that stuff. I mean, he was a really smart guy and fixed, build anything. And he, go, he goes, go get me a, a Phillips screwdriver. Well, I brought him a flathead. It could have been the other way around. It was, I was eight years old. I don't remember. And he, he yelled at me. He was also a drill sergeant in the Army in the Korean War. So he, he went off on me. And I left there saying, I'll never disappoint my dad again. And I my only goal in my life from that moment on was to make my dad proud. And I worked my tail off in everything I did, except for school. I was terrible in school. 
but uh, <laughs> but it was really it was the, it was the, it was interesting. There's a thing that he says called change the meaning, change the outcome, which I really love. My dad, I guarantee you, didn't think about that screwdriver five seconds later, but it altered my entire life. If I had changed the, changed the meaning of that, I may not have been the person I am today. And then the only other thing that helped me is I almost died at 17 years old. And when you almost die at a young age, you realize that you've got to have fun. You might as well enjoy your life and work hard to do it. Uh, so, you know, it's just little things in life that, that happen that, that motivate you. And, and there's a lot of people that, that will look at different things in their life. One of the agents in my office is a sweetheart. Never sold more than eight homes in a year. And I put her on probation last fall, last one, last quarter of last year. And I said, look, if you can't do this, I can't keep you anymore. I really like you a lot. All my agents I love. I mean, they're all my, they're all family to me. I go, I can't keep you, though, if you can't do this. And so I said, you got to come to coaching once a week. And if you're not, you're not at at least 20 sales next year, I'm letting you go. And she started telling me all the stuff that her family told her she'd never amount to anything. And her ex-husband would always beat her up mentally and all that stuff, which, which are all real things. But once I could change her mindset, she's going to be at about 25 sales this year. And she never sold more than eight before. So the only difference is now she's working. Well, she has a different attitude, different focus. Yep, exactly. Mitch, do you have businesses other than this brokerage? Uh, yeah, I get a couple things. I dabble. <laughs> I have uh, the Real Estate Success Network, which is my education company, where I teach all this stuff that we're talking about today. We're actually changing the business model. The website's still there, so people can check it out at therealestatesuccessnetwork.com. But we're changing the, the model on that shortly. Probably be up the beginning of December. I also have a, um, a software company called 100 Mile Per Hour Marketing, which is based on the way I speak, as you can tell. Uh, too fast. <laughs> I know my limitations. But uh, that's basically our software. Uh, we're throughout the whole state of Florida, the Washington, D.C. area, Minnesota areas, just a few states in the in the country that we're in right now, building out those areas, and then we'll expand a little bit after that. So a few, I got a couple other ones, but they're little things that I just play with. Uh, so I, I, my mind has to keep going, or I fall down. The real estate success network that you just mentioned—that is that like a coaching and training program? Yeah, I do uh, coaching. Thursdays is coaching day, and so I, I, I coach. You know, and it's not like one particular program. It really depends on where the person's at. Some of the people I, you know, one of the guys I coach right now gets 90 leads a day. So I'm, I'm helping him to convert those leads better and to uh, build his team because he needs about 30 agents, 40 agents to handle that. I have another one that's just an agent who's we just started to build his team, and he's uh, him. Each member of it, he's in $150,000 average sale, and, and we've got so far him and two of his agents up to a million dollars each a month right now. So really exciting. Yeah, so that's that. And then the the other stuff is I have about 80 webinars that I've recorded. I've got training manuals for all sorts of stuff. And so whatever you know, whatever I can do to help people become successful, it's fun. It's very fun to me. The software company, is that software that people purchase, or is that software for you and your system, your internal system? No, it's it's a purchasable. purchasable. Is that a word, purchasable? Yeah, you can, you can uh, buy it. It's actually really inexpensive. We... Um, We've looked at a lot of the businesses, business softwares out there, uh, lead conversion software. There's only a few. There's Tiger Leads, which you might have heard of, um, Market Leader, uh, Boomtown, and they're all very expensive, starting about $1,000 a month plus. Uh, we started $110 a month for uh, an individual agent. So that includes a website, an IDX system, and our back-end software. So it's pretty uh, – I try to keep things affordable. Again, I'm not, a, I'm not very greedy. 
sometimes I wish I were. I'd probably my wife would probably like me better, but you know the uh, the reality is 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 to me it's not all about money. Uh, I, I like I, like I, said, I know people use my stuff if it's successful, and if I can help people become successful, that's very rewarding to me. You mentioned how people could see the Real Estate Success Network at realestatesuccessnetwork at dot com. What about the software? Is there a website for them to look at that? There is. It's a hundred mph marketing dot com. So the hundred like numbers, they're one zero zero. Yeah, the number 100 in MPH at 100mphmarketing.com. Mitch, why are you successful? You know, probably because I get up and go to work every day. I know that sounds stupid, but that, that's probably why. I mean, I don't I don't ever fall down. I don't believe in failure. I just believe in, in challenges, and I believe in, in, in learning. And, and the more mistakes I make, the more I learn. And hopefully I don't make mistakes more than seven or eight times before I learn it. I wish I was smarter to do it, not make the same mistake twice, but I do. I just think because I, I get up and I, I, I actually try to look at things from the outside looking in. Uh, there's a great book called E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber and probably changed the way I do business more than any other book that I've ever read. But a lot of it is building your business from the outside looking in. It's very difficult to be the technician, be the person doing everything, it to and then to grow your business because you're, you're too tied up in the day-to-day stuff. Whereas in reality, I don't have to come here. I, I could really come here a couple times a week and the company would run just fine because I have good systems in place and, and, and good policies in place. But the reality is I need a place to work and I can't work out of my house because I'd never do anything. I'd be too busy to play with my cat and my dog and go sneaking out to the golf course. I need I need structure in my life to be successful. So, uh, but I think going to work is the biggest thing. I mean, there's so many realtors I know, and and this is a really good analogy. You know, most realtors don't have structure in their lives, and what happens is you go from kindergarten all the way through uh, high school, right, twelfth grade, with structure, and then you become a freshman in college. What happens? Most people fail. Most people do horrible freshman year of college because all of a sudden they had no structure. They went from structure to no structure. Real estate's the same thing. When you're growing up and, and you're you're doing the corporate world and you're nine to five and you go in and you you have your duties you got to get done every day and at five o'clock you go home and you forget about it and that's your life until you're forty fifty years however old you are when you get your real estate license and then all of a sudden you have no structure it's the same thing as like being that freshman in college well I don't have to do this today I don't really have to do that I always look at eighty percent of my time being revenue revenue generating activities. And that's what realtors need to do. They need to look at their life. Is 80% of my time has to be generating revenue, whatever that may be. And what most realtors do is the opposite. 80% of their time is admin or thinking about going to the beach over here, of course. Uh, you know, 20% of the time is working. If they actually woke up every day and went to work, they would make more money. It's not hard. The easiest business I've ever done. Mitch, if you were going to advise a brand new agent just getting in the business, what would you tell them to do first? Oh, easy, easy, easy. Two things. Do as much floor time as possible in master floor calls, very simple, and do a lot of open houses. Those are the two easiest things to do. No cost out of your pocket, because most people getting in the business don't have the money to spend. And and here's the the rule of thumb on both. Most agents do not convert floor calls because they don't know what they're doing. A person calls in and says, hey, I'd like the information on 555 Main Street. And they say, yeah, that's $225,000. Great, thanks. Have a great day. Bye. Uh, we train our agents here when someone calls on a floor call is do not give them the information. 
you, you ask him a series of questions first, and you, well, you tell him, I've got to look it up, give me a second, they'll take a minute to pull it up on the computer. Are you locally out of state? And then when, depending on the answer, what they give you is it depends on the, the direction the phone call goes. And then open houses, here's the thing with open houses. Nobody works them. They'll sit at them for two hours, right? So here's, here's how you work open houses. You go from 10 o'clock to 4 o'clock on a Saturday or a Sunday. I don't care what day you do. I always did Saturdays during football season because I've got to watch my Patriots. And then you make it an event. You have balloons. You have 10, 20 signs out around the streets getting, leading people to you. And you're there every single week because here's what happens. Most, most agents will say, well, it was just the nosy neighbor that came by. Well, who do you think tells all those other people you're working hard trying to sell this house to that person? I love nosy neighbors. Most of my listings came from open houses. And my first year, I had 36 closings my first year. 28 were flow calls. So those are your two things you can start today for no cost and be successful. And by the way, you never want to advertise your open house. Just do signs. Reason being is someone comes in the door and they want to look at property, you can close the doors and walk away. And again, nobody works. They, they go to an open house. They sit in an open house. That's not what you do. You need to work in an open house. And here's, here's the numbers. Remember, I'm a stats guy, right? Here's how simple the numbers are. You will average no less than two people a day, average no less than two people a day coming through the house. If you don't think you can sell one or two people at the end of eight people in a month, then this is the wrong business for you. You're going to have eight people come through in a month looking to buy a house. Out of those eight, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt, seven a month buying. You're going to buy, sell at least one house. And that can be done today. You don't have to wait till tomorrow. You can do that today. And that's why in January of my first, after three months in the business, I had nine closings. And I don't say that because I was like, oh, Mitch is so good. I'm just saying, I didn't know anybody. I knew nobody in my area. I lived here for two years. I traveled every single day. I knew nobody except my girlfriend and her mother. And so I did that not knowing anything, anybody. The only other thing I would tell people is, is join lots of clubs. I joined the baseball team. I joined the bowling league. I didn't know how to bowl. I joined the golf league. I didn't know how to golf at the time. And I joined the ping pong league because that's one thing I excelled at. <laughs> so I was a member of all these different groups. So I got sales from that. I got sales from open houses. I got sales from uh, from floor calls. I got sales from seminars. I mean, I just, I did everything. And the more you do, the more you, people like you, the more referrals you get. And ultimately, I think I sold 80 houses my third year in the business. I said 36, 50, and 80. Those were my first three years in the business. And, and, and by the way, I'm not that good. I'm, I'm just, I, I'm really, I'm, I'm just an okay realtor. I mean, I'm, I'm not a great realtor. I have systems. I'm not a great realtor. I mean, I'm good at paperwork. I'm good at the numbers, but I still cannot tell you what school is down the street from my house. I have no clue. I just, I, I always believed in being the source of the source. You don't know what the answer is. Just give them the website to find it. And they're cool with that. Mitch, do you think that top agent interviews like this one with Mastermind Agent are valuable? Oh, yeah, I, th I think so. I think there's a lot of agents out there who um, I interviewed one today. I mean, it's a great example. He's been in the business for a year and a half and not had a sale. And he's not getting any direction. He doesn't know what he's doing. And it was really silly. He's a really good kid, got a great personality. And that's all you need this business, a great personality and willingness to help people. So you get these type of calls. You get different views. I know you did Russell at one point. Russell's awesome. Russell Shaw. You're giving points of views from people that are successful in this business. And I guarantee you, all of us will say the same thing. It's not, it's not hard work. It's a lot of work. But I mean, hard work is digging graves, sit with a shovel. I mean, that's hard work, you know. 
but this is easy. So when you have calls like what you're doing, I think these are wonderful. So you can have agents that are out there and sitting there going, how am I going to make this in this business? I love the real estate business. I don't know how to get a customer. If, and if you don't have money to invest, you've got to learn how to budget your money so you can have money to invest. Because building a business is about investing in your business. So I think you're doing a great job. I love it. Mitch, where do you see the industry going in the next few years? It will be more internet. Not that it can get much more, but it'll be more internet. There's a lot of consolidation going on right now with the boards, which is really interesting. So I'm, I'm not sure how that's going to affect things. That could be interesting. Ultimately, because the internet is getting so strong and consumers have a lot more power than they used to, it's going to be the agents that provide exceptional service. They're, they're going to be able to survive in this business. I don't think there, you know, there's a lot of realtors, and, and, and again, yeah, I'm not everybody here who's listening to this knows this. There's a lot of realtors that are just terrible, that should not be in this business because uh, their service is terrible. Those agents will go away little by little, because ultimately, they only need an agent like that to get them in the door. So I, I, I see that I see that happening, but not, I, you know, I don't see other than that too much happening. The big thing will be, I think, a lot of boards are finally realizing that the uh, Zillow's and Trulia's and those type of companies that they give away their feeds to are, are evil. So I see that changing a little bit. And not that they're evil people. They just they take our data and sell it back to us. I never really grasped that whole concept. I was I fought it every every you know I've been on the board forever, so I I fight it <laughs> all the time. In fact, we just cancel all of our feeds. Uh, I see that happening a lot. I think you're gonna have Zillow and Trulia and some of these other national companies that are using our data who are gonna lose our data. Uh, struggling. So that's going to be an interesting change. Mitch, I've just come to the end of the interview, and the questions that I have, is there anything else that you'd like to talk about that we haven't talked about yet? I think I think I talked way too much. Uh, <laughs> 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 I'm pretty much an open book, as you saw. Uh, no, I, I really think, you know, just if I could get anything across to the agents out there, that this is not difficult, but you have to have systems. You have to have systems. If you have no systems, you got to get them, whether it be from a company like mine or there's a bunch of us out there. It's not, you know, I'm not the only coach in the world. Uh, in fact, my coaching is full. I don't have any room for coaching at this point. It's having a system in place and thinking 80-20. 80% of my time is my revenue-generating time. 20% is my admin time. If you guys can make that mental switch, you know, this is not a hard business. Well, Mitch, you make real estate look easy. You love testing and discovering the true answers to business questions. You remained flexible and curious even when the market was cratering and home values fell 60%. You shifted to the buyer side and internet marketing when conventional wisdom said you could only build a big business based on listings. You've built an organization based on coaching and helping each individual on your team to achieve an above-average income. Your father and a screwdriver set in motion an incredible success-filled journey. Thank you again for being our top agent of the month. And join us next call when we talk to an agent who generates 80% of his business by repeat and referrals from past clients and sphere of influence and sold 115 homes last year. Find out who he is on the next success call. If you like the show and want to know when the next one's coming out, click the subscribe button on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you want to hear more episodes like this, give the show a five-star review and write a quick comment.
I read them all, and it motivates me to keep going and share the top agent success stories with you. Thanks. If you're looking for more ways to generate leads, check out our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television, and their giant database library of video trainings where top agents reveal, demonstrate, and discuss their best lead generation methods. Visit RealGTV, R-E-A-L-G dot TV. If you're low on funds or just want to get the maximum leverage, check out my masterclass webinar titled Top 5 Free Lead Sources for Real Estate Agents. Learn more at freeleadtime.com. That's freeleadtime.com. Oh, and if you have a real estate friend who needs some inspiration, tell them about the Success Calls podcast. And don't you forget to subscribe right now to hear all the great top agent ideas. Keep moving forward. You've been listening to Success Calls on the Mastermind Agent Network, where top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com.